Welcome back to the Leaders Lab podcast. I'm your host, Ken Eslick. I am excited for you guys to meet our guest today, Mr. David Meltzer. David has been everywhere, and you've probably heard of him because he's a legendary sports executive, and he formerly served as CEO of probably the most famous sports and entertainment agency in the world, the Lee Steinberg Group. This was the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire, one of my favorite movies of all time. He is one of the world's top entrepreneurs, investors, and business coaches. David has been recognized by Variety Magazine as their Sports Humanitarian of the Year, and he was awarded the Ellis Island Medal of Honor. David is the executive producer of the Apple TV series, Two Minute Drill, and Office Hours. He's also the executive producer of Entrepreneur's number one digital business show called Elevator Pitch. David is featured in many books, movies, and TV shows, such as The World's Greatest Motivators, Think and Grow Rich, and Beyond the Secret, featured on Netflix. His life mission is to empower over 1 billion people to be happy. This simple yet powerful mission has led him on an incredible journey to provide one thing, value. In all of his content and communication, that's exactly what you'll receive. For the past 20 years, David has been providing free weekly training to empower others to be happy. You can follow David Meltzer on all the usual places. We'll put this in our show notes. Please join us in welcoming Mr. David Meltzer. David Meltzer, welcome to the Leaders Lab. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm blessed to be honored as a leader in the lab. Well, quite the leader you are. I know it's been decades of of journeys and ups and downs and mostly ups, but I know all the work you're doing now did not, it was not a straight line. And I was wondering if you could take us back, David, and talk to us pre the big sports agency and and all of that. What did life look like for you early in your career? Yeah, there was you know, the first world I lived in was the world of not enough. And, you know, you talked about the downs. I always say I got about average eight downs a day, just like everybody else. I get kicked in the face about eight times a day. And it's understanding my relationship with getting kicked in the face eight times a day via the mindset, the heart set and the handset. So the first world I lived in pre where I am today, which has really evolved over the last 17 years, was a world of not enough. I grew up with a single mom, six kids. She worked two jobs, one as a second grade teacher. Then she would pack our bags, dinner in a bag, and then you know fill up turnstiles at convenience stores with greeting cards just so we could eat. But I had this mindset, heart set, and hand set. I had a bag of beliefs that there wasn't enough. And whether it was the way that I ate, it was the way that I transacted. It was how hard that I tried. It was how I projected my insecurities. They all were based off of this bag of beliefs that there wasn't enough. And I was going to have to fight tooth and nail to get my share of a zero sum game. But that, and that fight kind of served you, though, in your early career. Yeah, it will serve a lot of people fear serves people because it will get you up every day. It'll get you back up when you get those eight kicks in the face that you're going to get. It will get you started. It'll even get you back started, but it's not going to get you there. And when I talk about there, you're not going to live in spirit. You're not going to be able to take advantage of the abundant and infinite system of thought that we actually exist in. But there's many people that live their entire journey, people who have $40 million homes on the Newport coast that live in this world still today. And it's exhausting. It's empty. It's shallow. 
It's interference. You're living in fear every single day when you live in a zero-sum game of not enough. Gosh, I just got off a podcast where I was being interviewed and I, I said something very similar. I mean, that fear, irrational fear, right, of there not being enough, whatever it is, not enough time, not enough resources, not enough money. What was it for you? You know, what was the catalyst? Because it seemed like in your 20s, in your 30s, I mean, like you were building, you were building, you were, I mean, you were getting famous, you were making tons of money. Like, was it a gradual build where you were like, this isn't happy and I, or I'm not happy and this is incongruent with who I am? Or was there a boom, like, you know, one wake up call slap in the face? It's such a good question because I think people do it in both ways, meaning with negative and positive, right? We talk about overnight successes. Look, behavior is an energy, money is an energy. It aggregates, it compounds exponentially, and then it accelerates in varying degrees. And so when you have bad habits, bad mindset, bad heart set, bad handset, it's gonna aggregate, compound, and accelerate into bad direction. So I believe everything is an accumulation Anything that's energy is an accumulation. And so it's when we become aware of what outcomes are being created by the behavior. And I usually say it takes about 90% of the behaviors to get you to where you can be aware of outcomes. And thus, when we become aware, we're only about 25% away or to that outcome. It's just it doubles to 50% after the next 5% and it gets to 100 really fast. So Good behaviors seem like they're overnight successes and cancer and, you know, alcoholism and addiction seems like that happened overnight or, as well. But it's not. It's an aggregation of the exponentiality of outcomes and acceleration of bad behavior or good behavior. And so, you know, when I started to move from the world of not enough, I moved into another world of just enough of everything for me. And it became not a to-me world of being a victim, but a for-me world. And that's where you buy things to be happy, buy more things to be happy, buy different things to be happy, buy things you don't need to impress people you don't like. And that's just as empty as the world of not enough. And it's a still a scarce world, trading, negotiating for everything, quid pro quo, living in a zero-sum game. It's still scarce. Well, yeah, because it's, first of all, there's always somebody with more stuff. Secondly, there's always something to prove, right? So every day it's like, look at me, look at me. And it's funny, I'm listening to our conversation right now and I'm thinking, what would 35-year-old David think about David in his 50s now? Like, would you have even understood what we're talking about right now? Would you be like, that's just a bunch of hippy dippy bullshit or like what i mean what would you have thought about this 20 yeah, years the ago same thing know? i thought when i saw guys like me that yeah. is it, woo woo you know like i make it happen you know there's no reconciliation with you know having good behaviors and allowing things to happen right like right. because my emotional address was attached to either things or people i wanted to impress mm -hmm. so when i didn't get exactly what i wanted that created void shortages and obstacles. Or when I didn't get the approval from who I wanted, or I didn't get the response from who I wanted, once again, I've given away my joy. I've given away my power. And everything becomes a comparison of just enough. So when I saw people like me in my 30s and 20s, I laughed at them. And some of them are 
mentors of mine today, you know, guys like, you know, Jack Canfield and and Wayne Dyer and all these guys. When I first initially heard all of these guys, Dennis Waitley, Zig Ziglar, Napoleon Hill, they were planting seeds in me, but I was not watering or harvesting at all. But today those are my true guide lights, my guideposts. And I laugh at kids who laugh at me and just say, hey, when you're 55, give me a call if anything I said in your 20s and 30s resonates. <laughs> I feel like almost every hard charging, you know, 20 and 30 something year old, I'm saying guy, I'm just saying that energy, right? That masculine energy that we had, that it's almost like you're just going to have to learn it the hard way. I feel like sometimes, right? You just have to learn that. I think back then it was like, you know, the fastest way to, from point A to point B is brute force, right? Like I'll just carve the path, I think is the mentality. And yeah, this stuff didn't play a part, but so when you got there, was it just a lack of fulfillment that was making you, you know, want to make a, you know, what was the catalyst for change and where were you at in your life by then? Like, did it started your family yet and all of that? Yeah, I had. So I think there was some red flags. And the first happened when I was 30. My dad was, and I had a strange relationship. He had left when I was five. When I was 10, I realized he was a liar, a cheater, a manipulator, overseller, and backend seller when he forgot my birthday. And instead of admitting it, he said he didn't believe in birthdays, even though he was celebrating everyone's birthday. And so at 30, he gave me a gift. He gave me a jacket for my birthday with no pockets. And you know, at 30, he told me the reason he gave me that jacket is he wanted me to hang it in the closet to remind me that money couldn't buy love or happiness. And he was afraid that I believed money was the end all. That was my address of emotion. And I called him a liar, a cheater. He said I was just like him and he didn't want me to make the same mistakes that he had made. I said, I'm nothing like you. You're a liar, cheater, manipulator, overseller, backend seller. Later, my best friend, I invited six years later, I'm running Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, as you indicated in the the intro, the most notable sports agency in the world. So I'm worth over $100 million. I have access to what billionaires couldn't even afford to buy. And my best friend, I invite him to the Masters with, you know, Wayne Gretzky and Joe Montana. And he's like, I don't want to go. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, Dave, I don't like who you are. I don't like who you hang out with. And I don't like what you're doing. As much as I want to go to the Masters, I don't want to go with you. Mm-hmm. I told him I hated him, just like I told him I had hated my mom, my dad. And two weeks later, my life would change forever. You talked about that moment of awareness of the aggregation, the exponentiality of negative behaviors that had accelerated for over 13 years. And here I was coming home from lying to my wife about going to see Little John at the Grammy Awards, and she you know, was the third red flag, told me she wasn't happy, told me that I better take stock in who I was and what I wanted to become because I was going to end up dead and she wasn't going to hang out to watch with my three daughters, all under 10 years old. Hmm. And that didn't stick initially. But the next morning when I sat on my bed telling myself that I hated everyone, especially my mom, my dad, my best friend and my wife, There seemed to be a common denominator between all these people that seemed to care most about me, not the users who were spending my money on boats and jets and shit that I was spending for, but these were people that actually cared about me and who was the common denominator. And as I was thinking that, I looked in the closet and there was that jacket. And that was the last moment for me because I looked at that jacket and I said, man, I don't hate my dad. 
I don't hate my mom. I don't hate my best friend. And I certainly don't hate my wife. I hate myself. I am a liar, a cheater, manipulator, an overseller, and a back-end seller. And I want to live my life in a different way. I want to live my life. I am happy. I am healthy. I am wealthy and I am worthy. I got to figure out what I'm doing to interfere with it because I'm not feeling the happiness, health, wealth, and worthiness anymore. And that's when I started that journey. It took me 17 years, by the way, no overnight success here. (laughs) Took me 17 years to make everything back where I make more money, help more people and have more fun to be where am I today, living in a world of more than enough of everything, living in a value add world, not a zero sum game. And that was what? So like mid 2000s? Yeah. So that was in 2006, my wife, told me to F off. And in 2008, I lost over $100 million and went bankrupt. Although, and despite I was on the right journey, I still had some lessons to learn and some causes to teach me those lessons. And I learned how to deal with getting kicked in the face eight times every day, where instead of spending days, weeks, months, and years accelerating in the wrong direction, I spend minutes and moments. And most of my time is accelerating in a trajectory where I want to be or better. It's funny. I don't know if you'll relate to it. And the dollars weren't quite in the same ballpark, but I battled with addiction myself. And I remember as soon as I gave it up, I expected the universe to just rain down all the stuff that it had been like not giving me. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, right. Like, where's I'm doing the thing? Where's all my stuff? Right. And it didn't show up, obviously, because my mindset was still the same. And I replaced drinking with like self loathing and stuff like that. And it took me a good couple of years, two, three years and some good mentoring to really, I I think all that our addictions do, and and, and if someone's listening and they're like, well, I'm not addicted to drugs or alcohol, and it's like, whatever, you're addicted to fear, anger. Like we all have these patterns, right? A belief or behavior that don't serve us, but we keep doing them anyway, over and over again. And I think that all that removing the substance does or the stimulus does is it gives us the opportunity to get in the game and then address it, right? If we choose to. And so it wasn't until at least a couple of years after I gave up alcohol until any kind of positive results really started showing up. And in the meantime, I was just a guy that had problems and no longer had medicine. You know what I mean? Like, like no longer had a way of numbing out. Does that relate? Yeah. Resonates with me completely. And I love the way that you articulate that. I tell everyone, look, you, it's really simple. Look, practice identifying fear, fear of the Mm -hmm. past or fear of the future, and then identify what you're prescribing to that fear. And, you know, that prescription is an ego based consciousness that early on Freud was quite clear about, feeding, fleeing, fighting, or fornicating. So when we look at, for example, addiction, that's the ego feeding itself, right? And you're feeding it with X. uh, And that's the natural response to fear. And so I help people identify fear, past and future, and then understand how the ego, number one, works, but two, how it prescribes behavior to that fear. And a lot of times they are negative behaviors that numb us or even worse, accelerate us in the wrong direction. The need to be offended, the need to be right, the need to be not worthy or separate, inferior or superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty, resentful. Do you know how much time, emotion, value, and money is wasted in those interferences, F-E-A-R? There's millions and billions of dollars every day wasted in the wrong trajectory. And it takes people like you, Ken, in order to help people 
identify it, or at least plant seeds under trees that you may never sit under, but someday someone's going to listen to this podcast 10 years from now and go, oh, I'm ready. I get what those two guys were talking about. And yes, there's going to be people that hear this podcast right now and be go like, what kind of woo-woo bullshit are these two? Let's have a beer tonight and forget about what these two guys are saying. Totally. I know you're on a mission to help a billion people improve their lives. Over a billion. Over a billion. Billion and one. Yeah. What does that what does that look like and how great, are you going to do it? Great question. So it, it looks like and why I'm on podcasts like yours, right? It looks like me being able to help you and empower you, someone that I know can empower a thousand to empower a thousand to be happy because a thousand Kens in the world are going to mm-hmm. empower a thousand other Kens of the world to empower another thousand Kens. So a thousand times a thousand's a million, a million times a thousand's a billion. I am only focused in on by, I give my books away for free, for example. In your entire community, if they email me at david at dmelter.com, I will sign my book. I will awesome. send it to them. I'll pay for the book. I'll pay for shipping, right? I'm not, and, and I'm, I know that there's going to be one of the thousands in that people that read the book. I do interviews. I have, you're in New York. I have a VIP dinner with the who's who that I'm going to invite Ken to come to, hoping awesome. that he sits on a panel, meets, you know, unbelievable billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, and entertainers that come from these big companies in New York. And then he'll get more podcast guests. He'll learn more lessons. It's all about empowerment and the exponentiality of what we do. And I know you're one of those thousands that can have that type of impact. So I focus my time on that relativity and it works. That's amazing. And I got to tell you, anybody that goes to your Instagram page or looks you up, David is a guy that walks the talk, new podcast episodes dropping every couple of days for you. You're doing meet and greets everywhere you travel to. I saw that. I saw you're out in Southern Cal right now, like meeting with people tomorrow, I think. So yeah, amazing stuff. I know your time is limited. Is there anything you want to leave us with before you head off onto your, I'm sure, next next podcast? I do. You know, I think if you look at behavior like you look at financial literacy, it really helps. And I teach a lot of kids about financial literacy because although I had a law degree, went to business school, undergrad, all the things I did made millions of dollars. The reason I really lost that money was I wasn't financially literate and I didn't ask for help. And so look at your behaviors like dollars. You know, when I go into kids and I say, hey, do you want me, if you have a choice, would you rather me give you a million dollars today or give you a penny today and teach you how to make it double every day for a month. And all the kids are like, give me the million. Mm-hmm. But if I give you a penny today and I teach you how to double your penny every day for 30 straight days, you end up with over $5.3 million. And I see people do that with behaviors. It, it, do you want a million dollars of advice today? Or do you want a penny of advice today that will empower you to double that every single day for a month. And yet you'll be five times or more farther ahead minimum. And so I want everyone to think about how to reconcile persistence with patience, how to have faith of the future, have gratitude of the future. Think about what you want, align the behaviors with it, the beliefs as well, in a trajectory where you think you want to be giving meaning to the past, find the lessons that Ken and I have learned, the light and the love, spend minutes and moments when you get kicked in the face, not days, weeks, months, and years. And I promise you will also live in the world of more than enough, more than enough of everything for everyone. And which means you will make a lot of money yourself. You will help a lot of people 
and have a lot of fun like Ken and I. Everyone reach out to me, come to the meetups, free Friday trainings, get my book for free, come to our VIP dinners. They're all over the place. David at dmeltzer.com. Thank you so much, David. Have an awesome rest of your week. I appreciate you coming on. Awesome. I'll see you in New York, August 10th. Thanks, man. I'll be there. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Leaders Lab podcast. If you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed making it for you, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening and leave us a five-star review. And while you're there, make sure to follow the show. That'll make sure that new episodes get downloaded to your device so you can listen from wherever you are. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week in the Leaders Lab.